Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Let's go to the book of Matthew chapter 17. We're going to be finishing summer school today. We're in part six of this series, and uh, we've been talking about faith in God, what that means, how important it is that we have faith in God because our Christian experience isn't a Christian experience without it. Amen. So you have this advantage having faith. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 says, Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. You overcome just by being born. It's by being born of God. You're born, you are a born overcomer. Think about it. Now, your first birth, you're a born sinner. Right? You're born of your mama, you're a born sinner. That's not a winning situation. But God provided a way for you and I to be born again through the last Adam who came, and you're born into victory through the Lord Jesus Christ, through faith in him. And it, and it says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So uh, we walk by faith and not by sight, right? We understand that as believers that our lives are not governed by our senses, by our circumstances. I mean, anybody can live life as, as like that. Just You can just exist, right? And just uh, take life as it comes to you. But that's not the existence that God has called us to. He's called us to be his children in the earth and to act like him. Amen. To have dominion, to rule and to reign and to, to bring the kingdom of God here on the earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus said, the kingdom's in you. As Crystal said, God's given you everything that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. Right? So, amen. We've got a, a victory to continue to enforce and to invoke in the earth. And, and there are things in this world that are coming uh, at you, not necessarily to attack you personally, but to attack your faith. And the enemy is after your faith. He wants to get the word of God um, out of you as much as possible. That's why he's always filling us with lies. It's always accusing us. He's always opposing the word of God because he knows the power of the word. He knows the power. He knows that if somebody gets the word of God, they believe the word of God, they live by the word of God, there's nothing he can do about that. He's no match. He's no match. So we've been talking about this subject of faith because it all comes back to faith in God. Have faith in God. When you pray, believe when you pray. Believe that you receive when you pray. Amen. Walk by faith. Say what the Lord has said. Call those things that be not as though they were. This is a real experience for us believers. Faith is not wishful thinking. It's not just some gamble. We're hoping it all works out in the end. No, faith is an assurance that we have. We know that we know because God said it. That's why. And so we choose to believe him despite what we're experiencing, despite what we're seeing or even feeling or even thinking with our own heads. Amen? That faith is, a, is the highest standard for us because the Bible says without it, it's impossible to please God. But with faith, with faith, it's impossible not to please him. So this gospel message that God has brought to us is such a good message. It's a positive message. It is good news. Aren't you grateful to have some good news today? And listen, we got a lot of bad news in the world right now, but I'm here to bring you some really good news. And this isn't just good news to make you feel good, and I hope you do feel good because of it. This good news transforms your life. Upon hearing it and believing it, it changes everything. It invites, this news has the supernatural power of God in it to change your situation to save you from your sins. 
Matthew chapter 17, <clears throat> let's look at this for a moment. In verse 22, it says, Now while they were staying in Galilee, Jesus said to them, he's talking about his disciples, The Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and the third day he will be raised up. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. That's interesting, isn't it? It's like they only heard one half of what he just said. Why are they sorrowful? He says he's going to be raised up. It ought to end in joy, right? Yeah, it's going to be bad for a moment, but he's going to be raised up. I'm going to come out of that grave three days later. But all they heard was that he's going to die. Because resurrection didn't really necessarily make sense to them, right? We are very acquainted with death, but resurrection, don't really know much of that. And so maybe they thought Jesus was speaking in parables or, you know, maybe this was some allegory, but that's not the case at all. He's telling them this good news, just giving them a, a, a prequel to what's about to happen, and the disciples have a hard time getting it. Look at Luke chapter 18, verse 31. It says, Then he took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. Now watch this. Look what Jesus says. He will be delivered to the Gentiles, that is, going to be turned over to the Romans, and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. Everybody, can you all understand what Jesus is saying so far? It's pretty clear, right? He's going to be mocked, insulted, and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him. All right? Anything allegorical sounding to any of that? No, it's all pretty straight up, isn't it? Just straight talk. And the third day he will rise again. That might sound a little bit allegorical, but everything else. But they understood none of these things. I mean, how is it that they can't understand how simple this is, right? Jesus made it very clear what's going to happen, even very specific things that were prophesied about him as uh, being spit upon and mocked and insulted and scourged and killed, all of those things. Very, this is just about as plain as you can get, and it says they did not understand him. They even griped at Jesus at one point, said, you're always talking in parables. Why don't you talk plainly to us? So he talks plainly to him, says they didn't get it. Because... That's not what they're looking for. They're, they're not expecting Jesus to die. They have an agenda, right? They know that some other things that were prophesied of Jesus, that he is the son of David and he's going to take his rightful place and sit on the throne and the kingdom is going to be established and Israel would, would rise to power. And they're thinking they're about to throw off that Roman uh, occupation and get out from under that Roman oppression and now Israel will rise again. But this isn't that time. That time is coming later when Jesus is going to Praise God, show us all how it's really done and really bring peace to the earth. But this was not that time. It was time for him to come and redeem us from our sins and be the lamb of God, the perfect spotless lamb who would take away the sins of the world. So, but this does speak of man, man just being naturally negative. But see, this good news, this good news comes to us and, and sometimes it's so good, you think, how can it be that good? You know, you hear the gospel as, as the word really does teach it, and it, it sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? I mean, come on. It's, it sounds too good to be true. Christ died for my sin. Wait a second. I was supposed to die, but he died for me instead. That sounds too good to be true. He died for my sins. He took the punishment for himself, stepped in, the, in, in place, and God blamed Jesus for all my sin. That sounds too good to be true, but it's still true. And he was buried and he rose again the third day. Praise God. This is all very good news. This is the gospel. This is the 
Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ died, Christ was buried, Christ rose from the dead. It's incredible, though, to me to see how man messes that message up all the time. It's like we just can't accept it as it is. So we, we have to make a system out of it. We have to explain the heck out of it rather than just proclaim it, to just believe the gospel. Well, they need to know they're sinners. They know they're sinners. They don't need your help. Thank you. And so there's this system of you got to recognize you're a sinner. you got to recognize your need for a Savior. Okay, let's just, let's just put that. All right. I'm not here picking on my brothers and sisters, but I kind of am. Because I, I don't want us to leave. Paul, Paul was very concerned about this. He told the Corinthian church, he said, I'm afraid for you that you've left the simplicity that is Christ. You keep adding all this stuff to it, thinking all your bells and whistles are going to improve on this perfect good news. You're taking the good out of it. Every time that you chip away at this gospel by adding your little rules to it, it's no longer the good news. It's like any other news out there. Sounds good, but the other shoe's going to drop. There's, there's a catch. There's fine print. There's a, there's a string attached. Not this gospel. This gospel doesn't work like that. It only allows us, God will only allow our part in this gospel to be believing it. To simply believe it and to receive it. That's extraordinary to me. Imagine somebody's drowning you're standing on the shore, and you're watching someone out there struggling for their life. And they're pretty good ways out there. And they're crying out for help. Let me ask you this. Is this going to help them for you to stand there and say, you need to admit that you're drowning. You got to turn. You got to turn from the deep water and head to the shore. Is this empowering this person at all? The gospel gets preached like this all the time, like they can do anything. Like they can do anything to save themselves. Here's what they need. Christ died for your sins and hurl that lifesaver out there. He was buried and he rose again. Believe that and you'll live. Believe that and you'll be saved. Believe that message. It's all, the gospel is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. Thank God. That's why Paul said, I'm not ashamed of it. And Paul was beat to pieces over this gospel. Faced persecution all over the place, mostly from religious church folk. Because they had such a hard time with just the simplicity of the gospel. In the very beginning of the church, in its infant stage, there's, a, there's the, what they call the First Jerusalem Council that took place in Acts chapter 15 because Gentiles, people like us, were coming into the kingdom. I mean, what happened, it all started with Peter being at Cornelius' house. He's preaching. All of a sudden, Peter hears them speaking in tongues. He said, what in the world just happened? Uh, they believed that gospel, apparently, and God purified their hearts by faith. I mean, we didn't even get to go through our system. I didn't get to do an altar call. Didn't get to have them come up and pray a sinner's prayer. They messed up all of my theology. All I said was to him, all the prophets witnessed that whoever believes on him shall receive remission of sins. And while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Amen. The moment they heard that gospel, their hearts believed it. And God said, that's good enough. Here's the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then Peter's like, wait, we got to get water baptized. We got to, you got to get saved, water baptized, and then spirit baptized. God, you've messed up the whole system. 
And then in Acts chapter 15, Peter has to bring up again because these, these Judaizers, those who are trying to make Gentiles live like Jews, come in and say, well, that, yeah, that's great that you're saved by grace through faith, but you're going to keep your righteousness by keeping the rules. And so you need to be circumcised like we are, and you need to keep the Ten Commandments. And so this huge debate breaks out. I mean, lots of disputing over it. Peter stands up and finally reminds them of what happened at Cornelius' house. He said, God didn't put this on them. Why are we putting on them what we couldn't even handle? God purified their hearts by faith. Let's just admit it. It's simpler than what we're making it. It's better. This news is purely good news. It wasn't that long ago that we... um, one of our air conditioners in our house uh, quit blowing cold air. You know, that's no fun this time of year. So um, it was already past hours for us to, to get some help. Um, so we we're going to have to wait the next day to call. So I, in the front part of our house, AC was working fine. So I put a box fan down there to blow down the hallway, you know, back toward our bedroom so that maybe we could at least tolerate through the night, and, uh, and you know, we did. It was, it, we limped along okay. Well, the next day, the AC guys come, come out, and uh, I'm in the house just waiting on them to finish, and then I hear him knock on the door, and, and uh, so I open the door, and he says, uh, have you checked your breaker? He said, I'm not, I'm not getting any power out here. I said, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> sure enough, I went, opened the breaker panel, there it was. Just flip the breaker back on. Boom, hey, we got air again. See, if you don't remember the essential gospel as it is, huh? You got to keep the main thing the main thing. It's the power of God's salvation. There is no power outside of it. You're not going to get what you want, what, what you need from God outside of simply believing his word. Amen. Faith in God. Tell somebody, have faith in God. But I'm telling you, man, so much of the of gospel preaching is sin preaching rather than gospel preaching. They, 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 they litter it with this message of guilt. Look what you've done. Look what you did to Jesus. Look what your sins did. Your sins put him on the cross. You need to show God you're sorry for, for your sins and really be sincere and really prove yourself. Really? Well, the Bible says, while I was a sinner, Christ died for me. While I was dead in my trespasses, he made me alive. I didn't do that. He did it. I'm going to read a couple more verses of Scripture and, and then we'll uh, close out. Luke chapter 9, and I want to apologize right now to our media department who I did not get these scriptures to you earlier because these things hit me during worship. So God bless our media team. Luke chapter 9, verses 54 through 56. Listen to this. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? Now what happened was Jesus was heading toward Jerusalem but he, he sent the disciples ahead to a place called Samaria because um, it was on his way to Jerusalem and, and for people to receive him. And because he wasn't going to stay there, they knew he was going to Jerusalem. They didn't, they didn't want to host Jesus. So his disciples get ticked off about this, James and John. This is what they say. I mean, think about how 
quickly the mood changes, right? You want us to call down fire from heaven and consume them, Jesus? Right? They've got a conviction. You know, you, you can be, you can be very sincere and still be wrong. It's called being sincerely wrong. Right? They were sincere. They had a cause. Right? They, they reject Jesus. You want us to call down fire, God, just like Elijah did? Because we can do it. Right? Like Jesus is going to be like, man, that's a great idea. You guys are impressive with your convictions. But he turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. That means, you know, if we're going to preach this gospel, if we're really going to declare it the right way, we're going to have to get over some of our own feelings and our own disappointments. Because if we're not careful, that's all we're going to see. We see darkness in the world. We see trouble in the world. And, boy, it's easy for us to just talk about it, isn't it? Just parrot it. Ah, the Democrats' fault. It's the Republicans' fault. Listen, it's all their fault. They're all crazy. We need God. This is insane, right? You can't put your trust in any of that. But boy, I mean, just anything that's out there, it's so easy to jump onto that negative report, right? And just talk about how dark things, talk about how sinful the world, well, how much longer is God going to wait? I mean, it can't get much worse, dadgummit. Right? We just keep seeing this, I mean, the children of God, sons of God talking like this in the earth. You don't like it, change it. Let's get the gospel out. Let's proclaim the good news. The good news has all the power to change things. But if we just keep talking about the darkness, it's just going to stay dark. And we're not called as children of darkness. We're called as children of light. Listen to this. Last, last verse of scriptures, uh, Ephesians 5, 11 through 13. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Now, this is where my legalistic friends who are preachers would say, see, <laughs> you've got to, somebody's got to talk about sin. Right here, this, because of reading things like this. But the problem is you have to keep reading more scripture so that you don't get, you don't get to just build your own little religions out of verse here and a verse there and a verse here. It says, have no fellowship, but rather expose them. I'm not here to just give you a feel-good message. I'm going to tell you the truth, bless God, and talk about the sin. Well, so this is how you're going to expose it, but let's look at the next verse. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Now, now you're going to still expose them by talking about them? Whoops. Verse 13, but all things, watch, all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, not by the darkness. God didn't step out in the beginning and say, it's dark. <laughs> he said, light be, and guess what? Boom. The darkness was exposed by the light. This gospel is called the light of the gospel. It has a light in it. And when we preach the gospel, the darkness is exposed. 
Listen to me. When somebody who is not right with God, if they're, they're on the outside, they're not a believer, and they hear this good news, something happens on the inside. A light comes on. And it's an uncomfortable, it's an uncomfortable thing many times. Because because they'll say things like this, and you can be just as loving and as kind with the gospel as possible, right? Christ died for your sin. Stop judging me. See, why would the response be stop judging me? Because their own heart's judging them. And they don't like that feeling. Wait a second, I'm accountable all of a sudden. I don't want to, I don't like that. That's not comfortable. Hmm? But we just have to be active agents to proclaim this good news and let the gospel do what it do. Hmm? Believe in its power to save. It all starts by believing it. And that's where everything changes for us. That's where everything changes. I told the 930 service that the thief on the cross, Jesus is crucified between two thieves. And both of them, in Matthew and Mark's gospel says, both of them were reviling him and mocking him. But something happened. Something happened as time was progressing and they're watching this man, they're listening to this man between them talk like nobody else talks. He ain't talking like a regular criminal. He says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And finally, the one, one thief got it. He realized this, is, this, this man's not done anything wrong. He's innocent. We're, we're right to be where we are. We're, we're paying for our crime because we did the crime. This guy didn't do any crime. And then he, then he looks to Jesus. He says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. What did Jesus say to him? Nice try, buddy. Well, you're going to have a deathbed confession and go to heaven, think you're going to go to heaven? You're going to live your whole life for the devil and now here in your last dying breath, you're hoping to make it? Did Jesus act like that? Huh? Did Jesus say, you need to prove you're sincere? You were just reviling me a few minutes ago, so I need you to show me how sorry you are. I need you to confess all your sins. I need you to admit that you're a sinner. My God, let's just learn our lesson from him. From the Savior who's dying for all of our sins, the one who knows what to say at the right time, and who's justified to say whatever he says, and yet says, assuredly, I tell you today, you'll be with me in paradise. Mm-mm-mm. What, what music that must have come flooding into that man's soul. To know the hope that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Greater hope than our sin. Greater grace than our failures. And Jesus Christ died for our sins so that we wouldn't have to die from them. And our message to this world must be a message of reconciliation. That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them not holding their sins against them. God's not holding their sins against you. This is what the world needs to hear. He's not. 
because he held them against his own son. So you can be free today to believe on him and be born again and live an overcoming life. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for this glorious gospel. I'm grateful, Lord, that I got to hear it at an early age. I'm grateful that I got to hear the good news early and receive you as my Lord and Savior. But Lord, it doesn't matter what age anybody is, whether they're a child or whether they're in their dying breath as a thief on a cross, God. You'll accept anyone who turns to you. If you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What glorious, glorious words. Father, thank you that in this gospel is not only salvation, not only eternal life, but Lord, there's every good thing from God to experience even in this world. To experience a life of a loving relationship with our Heavenly Father. To be led by the Spirit into all truth. To always have a living hope no matter what situation we find ourselves in knowing that because God is on our side, there is always hope. Because God is with us, it doesn't matter who or what is against us. Because you are the answer, there is no problem, God, that you can't fix, that you cannot solve. And I thank you that you're a very present help in times of need. You're a very present help right now, Lord. There are needs here in this room. There are needs, Lord, those who are with us online. There are needs as they're sitting there in their, their living room or wherever they may be, God. They have a, they have a need. They, have, they need your help. And I thank you that you're a very present help. And you have already made their way prosperous. And, Lord, you've already provided for them good success. And it's all found in this living word that you've given to us so that we can say what you have said, so we can speak this living word into our lives and say, no, by his stripes I am healed. I, my God, shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I might not see it right now, but I know that it's true. And I'm going to say it until I see it. I believe what God has said in Jesus' name. Nothing is impossible to those who believe, Jesus said. If you can believe all things, all things are possible to him who believes. I thank you, Lord, there is nothing too hard for our God. Thank you, Lord, that no matter what kind of giant they may be facing, right now they can know greater is he who is in them than he who is in the world. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the partnership we get with the supernatural because of our God who lives in us. Hallelujah. That we have kingdom access. <laughs> we have heaven access. Thank you, Father God, for healing Thank you for restoring hope. I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, I, I believe that you're speaking to me right now. There are some here who are really battling fear. It's robbing them of sleep. It's stress, it's stress on their bodies. It's, it's affecting their relationships. And I declare in Jesus' name, God has given you a spirit of power and of love 
and of a sound mind. He's not giving you a spirit of fear. Fear involves torment that's not from God. His love casts out all fear. You need to just right now to say, Lord, I receive the love that you have for me. It's unconditional. <laughs> you love me because you love me, not because I do anything or don't do anything. You love me because you love me. And I welcome, I welcome your spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind, and I will not be afraid. I will not be paralyzed. I will not be crippled by this fear any longer in Jesus' name. Thank you for it right now, God. Right now, let faith, let faith now rise in these hearts. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I, I see clouds just disappearing right now. Muddy water is getting clear right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you for your help. Thank you, Lord. Oh, how you love us. Thank you. Hallelujah. In Jesus' mighty name. Mm. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. I hope this has encouraged you today. And congratulations, you finished summer school. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com. 